All right, well, this morning we're going to kick off a new series, and it's going to last probably the next six weeks or so, and it's a series we're calling Family Matters. Now, in this series, we're going to talk about things like uh, intergenerational discipleship. We're going to talk about divorce. We're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about relationships. And in fact, next week, related to that, we have guest speakers here, Don and Renee Wooster. They are incredible communicators. Um, Don is a counselor. Renee does counseling as well. But Dr. Don, in fact, Heidi and I have so much confidence in those two that that's who we went to for our pre-marriage counseling. So next week, bring a friend. It's going to be excellent. But instead of diving into this Family Matters series, kind of with the predictable um, family sorts of content, I want to start us out by looking at the church as a family. This week's just going to be about church as a family. And specifically today, I want to talk about our church, Hope Covenant Church, as a family. Now, the Gospel of John is, is in the first chapter. It's setting up the story of Jesus, and we're going to read a few verses here up top. And right before it tells the story of Jesus, it kind of sets the stage for what's going on in the story. Some big theological pieces and, and whatnot, and it uses family language in John chapter 1, verse 12, where it said, but to all who believed Jesus and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. And, and so it's saying here that we, those of us who have decided to follow Jesus, that we are the sons and daughters of God. We are the family of God. 1 John chapter 3 uh, is one of my favorite verses that talks about this. And John says, see how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. So this scripture here, it's saying we are the Father God's children. This God that we've been singing about this morning, we are his children. In another place, the Apostle Paul, Ephesians uh, chapter 1, and, and then I'll be teaching here, but I wanted to get these verses right up top. Um, he writes, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. See, see all over the New Testament, there are these great truths uh, about those of us who have believed in and accepted Jesus. And by stepping into that reality, by faith, we are now a part of the family of God. And this family theme, again, it's all over the New Testament. Now, although it's all over Scripture, I'll be honest with you. Here I am. Uh, I'm a pastor. I'm leading Hope Covenant Church here in Arizona. And, and I know what the Bible teaches about this stuff, about the family of God. I, I have to admit, though, that sometimes what I believe from Scripture, that church is a family, uh, and even what I know from my own kind of upbringing, that church is a family, all of our cultural stuff, and even, honestly, a lot of ministry training often goes against seeing church as a family. In fact, I've worked at a, a few other churches, and one of those large, kind of at least outwardly successful churches, it was actually drilled into us that we need to make sure that we're running the church like a business. Like it was said that way frequently to us as a staff. Now, again, I don't want to pick on that. Um, there were some positive things that came out of that approach. There were some helpful systems, some helpful structures. There was organized programming and even... Um, uh, some cooperative ways to fund missions and local outreach. But the biggest problem with that whole mindset is this. The church is a family, not a business. Right? The church is a family, not a business. There are big differences. 
Now, I could, you know, hear someone say that, and I might get real excited, and many of us hear that and go, well, of course, you know, that's what I want, this is what I believe. Um, we want the family thing. None of us are going to say, hey, sign me up for a, uh, a business church, like a corporate church, right? Just sign me up for one of those deals. Um, but I want to have a family talk this morning. Instead of uh, more of a sermon approach like we normally do, I want to have a family talk, and I want to lay out for you some of what I think healthy local church philosophy is, and and even some of the distinctives of why we here at Hope Covenant need to keep this family imagery in front of us, remembering we're a family, not a business. Um, And, and, you know, there's times in my life where I think I've seen something clearly, and I go, well, of course, and then I change angles on it and see it from a different side and go, oh, I was kind of missing some of this, and so now I see... And if you're like me, then, then maybe this kind of church as a family um, might be one of those areas where maybe a little perspective from a different angle might help us see a little deeper in this, uh, especially in how we view, view the local church. So my hope is by the time we uh, leave and after this message, we're going to do communion as a family. Um, but, but I'm just asking Jesus to open our hearts and, and inviting him. God, if there's anything that we need to adjust our perspective on, uh, we want to give the Holy Spirit a chance to make those adjustments and changes uh, accordingly. So, and this is me too, deal? So, we, we game? Are we okay? we okay with this family talk this morning? All right, there's five of us? Okay, good. All right. <laughs> so, let me tell you a little something about me just to kind of get rolling here. I really like good customer service. Anybody else here, you just love good, right? Oh, man, I love going out to restaurants. You know, at Paul's Memorial, he's talking about everybody's like, oh, he was a foodie. He loved all that he did. He loved all this different food. And we have that in common. And, and honestly, we talked about it sometime. One of the things we like most is just having someone, like, make food for us, and we don't have to clean it up. So that's, you know, right? <laughs> but... <clears throat> But, 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 um, uh, part of going out to a restaurant, like, I don't think I'm super picky. Maybe I am. My wife can tell you later. Don't say now, honey. Um, <laughs> I really do. I appreciate good customer service. I notice when the service is really good. I really appreciate it. A little side note. Um, has anybody gone to a restaurant? Like, have you been visiting Europe and noticed the customer services service in, in like, you know, especially England? Uh, really in France. It's, I mean, it's, I don't want to offend an entire continent here, but <laughs> it's bad. Like, it is, it is not a priority. It's terrible. And some of the places we have been in, in India, you know, you show up at the restaurant and you start wondering, um, you know, excuse me, do you guys not want us here? Like, I'm sorry, are we inconveniencing you by showing up and being customers? I mean, it's bad. Like, it can be really bad. So, um, when I go to a restaurant here in the U.S., um, and there's not good customer service. I, I don't get mad. Like, I don't ask to talk to the manager. I just make a note of it, and I don't go back there. Right? Anybody else like this? Like, I just make a note. I'm just not going back, right? You know, like, not too long ago, we went somewhere to eat, and it took like 15 minutes for them just to show up with that, you know, glass of water. Nobody had said anything. They seated us 15 minutes or so later, and I didn't throw a fit. I'm just not going back, right? It's, um, or if I ask for no green onions on my dish, because the green onions are from the devil. Um, <laughs> okay, I have an allergic reaction. I wish I didn't, but I do. I have this allergic, it gives me nasty stomach cramps, and we'll stop right there, too much information. Um, if it gets put on my dish, though, I don't yell, right? I don't yell. I either, you know, if I can, I'll just kind of pick them off. Um, or if I can't, then I quietly go, hey, you know, could you, right? So I don't get mad. 
but I do remember, and I, I'm probably not going to come back. Like, they're not going to get my business anymore. So, confession 101 here, I am a good consumer, okay? Um, and I suppose it's ingrained in us as Americans, right? I mean, I'm sure consumerism is in the Bill of Rights somewhere, right? Anyone? Some of the older folks are, uh-oh. I'm just kidding. I know the Bill of Rights. <laughs> That's in the Declaration of Independence. Okay. Um, now, here's the deal. That's a restaurant, right? Now, if I approach... Here, here's a problem, though. If I approached my house um, like it was something other than a house, that would be a problem. Like, could you imagine showing up at your home and acting like a consumer? Wives, don't elbow your husband here, if that's what happens. Um, now, I, I have um, a... We'll call it a godly fear of my wife, okay? Um, I, would, I, would, I would never do this, but let, just imagine if I showed up at home. Can you imagine me showing up at home? I sit down at the table, and I'm just waiting for somebody to serve me like I'm at a restaurant, right? And then in a little while, I get a little upset, like, how come nobody's coming over here to check on me? What's wrong with these people? Don't they know they're here to meet my needs? Right, because if I do that in my house, in my family, and I start yelling, hey, isn't somebody going to get me a glass of water, you know? Uh, guess what Heidi or Noah would say to me? Yeah, no, go get your own glass of water, right? <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I can't believe this disrespect. I think I'm going to get my own water. Um, or if, if Heidi made a dish and brought the meal out and it had um, green onions on it, I'd know she was out to get me. But, um, <laughs> but if that happened, can you imagine my response being, oh, Listen, lady, I specifically asked for no green onions. I am going to take my business elsewhere, right? <laughs> right? Like, that doesn't work. You can't do it, right? Because it's not a restaurant. It's a house, right? It's a family, not a business. So then how I approach it would, would matter, right? Like, at a restaurant, it's fine to, be, to, to expect to be waited on. Like, I am a consumer at a restaurant. That's not my family, Right? But if I treat my family like they're employees at a restaurant whose job it is to serve me and meet my every need, that would be messed up. So I want us to even kind of start looking at church this way and shift our perspective and, and, and lead with this family reality, especially when it comes to church. And again, I don't think we mean to do this. But I think that many of us do get tripped up or have a hard time or we get confused about this when it comes to church. And again, I'm not mad about this. Like, I'm not criticizing us. I think that we tend to do this simply because when we've seen something a certain way for so long and then our culture treats a thing a certain way for so long, we just get used to it. We think, well, I'm an American, right? I'm an American, so I deserve and demand a church where all my needs get met. And if I don't like something... Or I can't just float in and get my way, or get my style, or get my volume level. Like, forget it, I'll take my business elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I have strong opinions, I'm trying to be nice here so I don't get in trouble. Um, again, how I perceive something determines how I'm going to interact and engage with it. So if I see something wrongly or improperly, then I'll engage or interface improperly. Um, and what I mean by that is if I treat church like a consumer, and I promise you that almost all of us do this to one extent or another, but if I see the church as a place for me to be a customer, then I'll treat church that way. Um, I think many of us don't realize when we do this, because it's just ingrained in us, right? 
And we've been sold these ideas or imagined rights that we have by even church marketing gimmicks that somehow we get to demand this kind of stuff. And, and we're just programmed to do this because we're in a consumer-driven culture. But when we end up approaching the church as something other than family, we get confused, right? Because the church is a family. And, and approaching it that way changes a lot of things, right? Oh, this is not a club, we're not here to entertain you. This is not here to meet all my demands. When I don't like something, I don't grumble and cause dissension. I don't have a fit and make a scene and somehow think that it's okay to do that. Yes. Um, and we've been through lots of changes here at Hope over the last years. And, and this beginning of the part of the year, we spent a lot of time looking at our vision. And one of the things that I want to do is help us move towards our vision by uh, establishing and clarifying, really, what a healthy church culture looks like. And by the way, um, this has a lot of the makings and, and tons of the makings of a very healthy church culture. Um, and that's part of why I'm talking about this today is because I have noticed it in really good ways here. Uh, so I just want to clarify it so we call it and name it and say, oh, that is, that is something really good. And so for us, seeing Hope Covenant as a family is a huge part of clarifying the culture in which our vision will be lived out. See, that will be something we latch onto as we paint this picture of being a place, a, a, a family where imperfect people belong, where, where God moves, where lives change, and what's the other one? Oh, it's on the screen, isn't it? Okay, here, I thought you guys were... I'll still give you bonus points. All right. <clears throat> But this is a family, and so I'd like us to start thinking of these times that we gather, these Sunday morning times, um, to think of this time as like family Thanksgiving, right? Every week to, to, to approach this thinking, hey, this is family. In fact, this is like Thanksgiving. I mean, Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. It is, is awesome, right? Yeah? Any other fans of Thanksgiving? Anybody say Thanksgiving over Christmas? Okay, three or four of us. Okay, okay. I sometimes go for Thanksgiving over Christmas, um, uh, but, but my family grew up, we had this big Thanksgiving meal, it was awesome fun, and, and, and uh, we do the same thing here. We have a lot of people that come over, and everybody jumps in, everybody jumps in, like, like the whole family thing is that everybody jumps in, um, they pitch in, you know, somebody's setting up tables, some people are cooking, some of the other people are messing around with the kids, it's great, and um, for me, I've always had a particular job at Thanksgiving, and I don't know where this supposed tradition comes from. That's what my mom calls it. This is a tradition, which is how she just got me to keep knowing that this is what I'm going to do every year. There's no getting out of it. The tradition. But I am, <clears throat> anyone want to guess my job at Thanksgiving? The turkey tester, too. Yeah, that's not official, though. I wish it was the carver. I am the potato peeler. Come on, who else is a potato peeler? Potato peeler, baby. It's, it's great. Um, you know, they'd be like, hey, Doug, glad you're here. Let's see, here's a bag of potatoes, here's a potato peeler, have at it, right? <laughs> so every year, I peel potatoes. Ever since I've been old enough to do it, I've been part of the potato peeling crew. I was actually thinking about this week when I was writing this. I'm like, you know, I wonder if, if Pampered, it's taken me a while to think about this, which is sad. I wonder if Pampered Chef has a better potato peeler than the one I'm using, right? Because <laughs> if there is, I need to get, they do, see? <laughs> I will put that on my Christmas list, except then I wouldn't have it for Thanksgiving. Oh, it's going to have to go on my birthday list. Now, imagine I show up at my mom's house, or if we're back visiting family in Minnesota, we show up at the dinner, and I show up and I say, hey, listen, now, okay, I'm 48 years old. I'm a grandpa now, right? I'm a, I'm a pastor. 
Like, I, I get to teach the word of God in front of people every week. Other churches invite me to come and speak, and, and you want me to peel potatoes? Like, I'm above that kind of stuff. Like, if I said something like that, guess what would happen? Yeah, they would laugh at me like, ah, Doug, you're hilarious. All right, Doug, here you go. Here's a bag of potatoes. Here's a potato peeler. Have at it, right? As is only right. And listen, I don't have a passion for peeling potatoes, okay? I wasn't ordained as a potato peeler. No one spoke a prophetic word over my gifts or calling or anointing as a potato peeler. Um, potatoes are not a passion of mine, but family is. Right? So I don't have a passion for potatoes, but I do have a passion for family. And so I'm like, hey, whatever I can do to make this the best Thanksgiving ever, and as long as I'm doing it with people in my family, like, I'm in, right? I love it. I'm in. I'll peel potatoes all day long if I get to hang with the family. And see, when, when we approach things as family, it's different than anything else that we approach. Like, there's just normal natural things that you do in a family that you wouldn't do anywhere else. Like for me, I peel potatoes, right? It's what I do. You know what I was thinking about this too? You know what else is kind of crazy serving in a family? Like in a family, there's no leadership ladder to climb, right? That whole leadership ladder deal, that's a corporate business model. And, and again, it's fine there, but not in church. Um, you know, for me, I'm not at Thanksgiving meal looking sideways over at the turkey cutter, muttering to myself, oh, one day. <laughs> I won't be here forever. Like, I started at the bottom, now I'm, I'm here. Um, but one day, one day I'm going to move up the senior turkey carver. I have a, a call, right? I'm going to carve turkeys, right? We don't do that. Um, you know what sometimes bugs me at Thanksgiving? Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes this happens, not always. Sometimes when I peel potatoes, no one thanks me. Like, can you believe that? I mean, it's a thankless job, isn't it? You know, I, you know what? I'm not even, I don't know even sure I'm going to come back next year. This is bad, right? No, nobody does that, right? That's goofy. Nobody thinks like that. It's like, hey, this is family. We do whatever we need to take care of the family. Like, like we all do stuff, and we're all here because it's about family. Now, um, probably because of my job, I have an appreciation for the peeling of potatoes. My favorite thing to eat at the meal is mashed potatoes, right? And while everybody else is chowing down, you know, I'm looking around thinking, yeah, you like that? You're welcome, right? <laughs> Those potatoes did not peel themselves, okay? I mean, come on, like, it doesn't, it, but it really, it doesn't matter, right? Because we're here with family. And maybe it would help if we started to think in those terms uh, and shift things with church. We'd be like, hey, I'm coming to church this morning. This is, this is like Thanksgiving, right? This is family time. You know, you know it's, it's kind of like the thing of asking people, hey, listen, we need another nine people to help with children's ministry one time a month. Like some of our, our volunteers are only getting to come to worship every other week. And Cody and Kara, who used to play on worship team almost all the time, they haven't been in here for months because their heart was like, wow, we are so short in kids' area that almost every week, a Cody for sure, every week has been helping in kids' ministry. And if we go to somebody and say, hey, could you help, you know, once a month or maybe even once every six weeks? And then maybe you'd hear somebody say, ah, you know, I don't really feel called to children's ministry. And I just go, well, I don't know what that has to do with anything, right? 
I mean, hey, I'm not trying to get, to get on you, but when I hear someone say, I don't have a passion for children, I'm like, okay, all right, but th that's not what I was asking, see? Because it's less about that. And see, I, I mean, I really do want you to be in your passion, right? I want you to be thriving. I want you to discover your spiritual gift and grow in that stuff and do those things. But remember, here, this is family. Like, it's a whole different thing. And we're like, hey, you know what? I am here to jump in and do this, this thing that God gave to us as a family. Now, speaking of our children, next week, we're going to introduce Sharon Gregory. Sharon is our new children's ministry director. Yeah. And she'll be part-time, um, and she's in seminary. She's got a ton of experience, a lot of passion for discipling and, and, and loving our children. Uh, we really did hit the jackpot on this one, friends. But we still, we still need to come around her uh, to get this done in our Hope Covenant family. We still do need eight, nine, maybe more people to jump in once a month or so. Um, and let's remember, like all of us, these are our kids, especially, you know, we're empty nesters, but these are our kids here at Hope. Um, a lot of these kids were baptized here or dedicated here. And when that dedication of baptism happens, you remember that part where we all commit with the family to help do whatever it takes to raise that child toward, right? So this is a part, it's just a part of that. Um, it's just what we do in a family. It's just what we do. And listen, this whole thing of being a family, this whole thing of even serving in, in some of these areas, this is all a part of discipleship. This is all a part of discipleship. Um, followers of Jesus, they're placed in a church family so that we can grow. Right? You know what happens? Like you come to faith, you decide to follow Jesus. We have a lot to learn. And then there's these incredible ways that we can grow and change. And for me, part of that process of growing and changing, and part of why I love to talk about and even sing about the heart of our Father God and how much he loves us and talk about what God is really like, the cool thing about that for me is the more I see who God is, the more I want to be just like him. Right? I'm a son who wants to look like my heavenly father. I think about little dudes. I love watching the little guys run around here, um, little guys, little gals. But um, I heard this guy, uh, he was talking about how, man, my child, my son, he says, just watches me all the time. And um, this guy, was, the guy that was telling the story, he was kind of a big dude. And his son was, I think he said, two, two years old. And he said that his, his little boy, his son, every time his son suddenly just started, every time he stood up, he started grunting, right? Just, <laughs> And the dad's like, what is up with my kid? Like, the kid kept doing it day after day, the son did. And, and then one day, the dad's hanging out by himself. He's watching TV, and when he stands up, he did that old man stretch when you grunt stand-up kind of thing. Right? Right? And he goes, oh, I get it now. That's me, right? He's like laughing at himself, never realizing that that's something that he, the dad, did. And so the dad, like, he figures it out. Oh, my son must have seen me grunting whenever I stand up and figured that's what men do. We grunt, right? There you go. That's what Dalton's boys will be doing right there. Right? I, little man's probably watching. His dad goes, oh, yeah, that's what men do. Okay, I'm going to grunt every time I stand up. So, but here's the great thing about this, friends. Listen, like, this, that little illustration is the picture of the whole Christian life. Why, like, why are we kind? Oh, it's because we notice, like, we watch our father, and we realize, wow, he's so kind. 
so kind to me. And so we want to be like our Father, and we pour out kindness. Or why do we forgive? Right? We notice, oh, wow, all the things God has forgiven of me. He's so forgiving. I want to be like my Father. Why are we generous? Because we stop and look at all that he has done for us, all he has given us, and we want to be generous like our Father. That's who he is. And so that's what we end up doing and, and who we are. And all of these things are so important because we are his sons and daughters. We represent him. I wish I had time to go into this, but like even the plan for reaching people um, is family. The plan for us to be discipled, to be transformed, to grow, it's all family plan. It's all a family plan. Um, and so this mindset, which has infected a lot of Christians, uh, including me, um, of being a consumer is really actually pretty harmful. Like when I show up at church like a restaurant that's there to keep me happy and meet all my needs, like that whole thing has to shift. It has to become family. That's how we will grow, treating it as family. See, what family, one of the things family does is it sets us up to mature. It sets us up to grow. And God wants to mature us. He wants to grow us. And that's what discipleship does. Like a disciple grows and keeps growing. But, but hear me, while many American or Western church approaches reinforce that whole consumer approach, trying to, you know, win customers for Jesus, what we're just doing is competing with other churches, trying to do a bigger or better, entertaining light and fog show disguised as worship. And by the way, I've been there, right? I've, I've been there, I've worked in those settings, and I think it's a trap. And, and more than that, more than a trap, here's the theological problem with that. See, Jesus didn't die on a cross to win customers. He didn't rise from the dead to cater to consumerism. Jesus calls us to make disciples, and the truth is that consumerism and discipleship are radically opposed to each other. And it will keep us from maturing. And family, family thinks like that. Restaurants don't, hotels don't, families do. There's a passage in Ephesians 4 that that some people look to this passage that I'm going to read here um, and look at the different gifts. Oh, this is how the church needs to be led, which I think, I think it is very helpful with that. But as I'm reading this passage, look for the family language in it. Like the Apostle Paul, even in talking about how ministry and churches are organized, he uses family language as well. We'll put it on the screen. Verse 11, so Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure and the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. I mean, it's just family language of what it looks like to grow up to mature, to, to use his words like to equip us, to edify us, to become mature, no longer children, no longer infants, that will grow up into all things looking like Christ, reflecting the heart of our Father God. 
And I think that, that, that many Christians, our, our growth gets stunted and that we remain immature in many areas of our life, partially at least, if not for a big reason, one of the reasons that we remain immature is that we don't approach the church as a family. Like we just come in as consumers and people think, well, I'm not growing because my church isn't catering to their you know, perceived spiritual needs. I remember when I was planning a church, people who were already Christians would show up, they'd love the service, they'd say, wow, man, uh, how do I get plugged in here? And I'd be like, huh, what, what? I mean, I knew what they were saying, but I'd just play dumb. I'm good at playing dumb. Um, <laughs> one of my spiritual gifts, you know. <laughs> they'd say, well, how do I get in community? And I was like, well, um, you know, you could probably get somebody's phone number, meet up at Starbucks and get to know someone, or, you know, have people over to your house for dinner, right? And they go, no, 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 what, what, like, what's the small group structure here? Well, we're working on it, but in the meantime, how about you just get some people together and start meeting weekly at your place? You know, talk about the sermons, I can suggest a book, or ways to study the Bible. Like, how's that sound for now? And that very confusing is how that sounded for now. Um, or they'd say, hey, I have this neighbor that just came to Christ. Where's the new believers class? And I was never quick enough to say this on the spot. What I wanted to say was, the new believers class, that's in your living room, right? And you are the teacher, right? <laughs> Or right near here at Hope, I'd probably say, hey, we're in this season where we are in rebuilding mode. Um, Alpha is coming uh, on Monday, May 6th. But, but how about the new believers class starts meeting now in your house right away, right? You can do it. Like, we're each called to make disciples. Um, so go for it. Like, here, I'll commission you, right? We'll just get some anointing oil. You'll be ready to go. I mean, our pastors here on our staff and our elders, we're here to lead, to teach, to equip but let's remember that every one of us who follows Jesus is called to be in the ministry, right? All of us. And, and, and hear me, we are really, um, I need to say this, we are working on some, some ways to help people be small group leaders. We're, that's, that's coming. It's a good thing. And, and when God brings the right people with the right gift mix, the right heart, then we'll be able to meet some of those needs, especially with new believers and people who are exploring the faith. But if there is something you see right in front of you and go, well, the church isn't quite ready to launch something, like, don't get mad that the staff's not ready to launch their strategy just yet. Just go, like, do it, right? Just go do it. Um, and in that, uh, some of you might not be clear on what your spiritual gifts are, like how God created you and wired you and gifted you to contribute to the family of God. And, and that passage we just read uh, says that God gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, that's not an exhaustive list. There are many spiritual gifts in scripture, and it's helpful to know what your spiritual gift is. Like, it can help you zone in on where to serve. So, uh, like Heidi announced earlier, on next Sunday, right after church, in this room right here, Joy is going to do a one-session class. There's going to be a, a spiritual gifts test that will help you hone in on what your gift is. Uh, and, and you can sign, we'd like you to sign up so we know how many to plan for, in the lobby at the Connect table if you want to be a part of that class. And taking that class is a really good place to help you know what your particular place is to help strengthen this family, this family right here. Now, because here at Hope, every time we gather, again, I want us to treat it like it's family at Thanksgiving, okay? Now, if you have been um, following Jesus for a while, especially those of you that have been following Jesus for a while, we got to remember that we are not called to be consumers, right? All the teenagers in the faith and all the grown-ups in the faith, like we pitch in. There's this personal responsibility piece where you and I do need to take initiative 
grab somebody to come along with us, and then find ways to grow and mature together. And part of why we do that is because, again, we are a family. And because we're a family, we do need to give extra attention to the, to the newbies, to the people that are new at following Jesus or have questions about faith to help them grow. And we do it that way because we are a family. As Heidi mentioned earlier, um, we became grandparents this weekend. Whew. Baby Elliot was born, what, two weeks late almost? Was it two weeks late? That was a lot of waiting. Uh, but he's good. Mom and dad are good. Um, now, as a family, let's say that Elliot gets to two years old and he has no progress in walking. Like, somebody's going to say, hey, guys, we better get that checked out, right? Like, wouldn't you do that in your family if there's some marker that's not? Yeah, right. Um, when I was a baby, my feet were, were crooked, and my Aunt Joni said to my parents, hey, there's, something's not right there. Like, Doug looks like he needs to have his feet fixed. And so they did. They took me to a doctor. I had to wear these goofy-looking shoes that, like, would bend my feet back out. There was a bar on the bottom. I should have tried to find a picture of it, but um, then you could have all laughed at me. <clears throat> but, but in time, my feet were good. Like, but if they hadn't done that, if somebody hadn't spoken up, there's no telling what kind of problems I would have dealt with my entire life. See, that's what happens in families. That's what happens in families. And when we do church thinking of this as a family, like God intended, listen, we're going to talk about some stuff sometimes, right? And we do need to be kind, right? We need appropriate boundaries. We don't use this whole family thing as an excuse to get in people's faces or be judgmental. But, but what might we do if we saw someone who has been a Christian for a really long time, but they're not being transformed? Like somebody that's been a Christian for a long time, and they're still cynical, mean, ornery, gossipy. Um, they're not generous. They complain, they criticize, they demand everyone meet their needs and preferences. Like, if this is family, and that described me, wouldn't, like, you know, Ryan, wouldn't he take me aside and say, hey, man, what's going on? Like, you haven't grown in a while. Uh, something's wrong here, right? Some of the rough edges are actually getting worse, not better. We got to figure this out. You need to be growing, bro. Like, wouldn't that be a family thing to do, right? Like the passage we just read from Ephesians, the phrase in there, speaking the truth in love. So you need both. Like it's two arms to hug somebody. You can't just one arm them with the truth because that'll be <laughs> painful. If you do love, then they might not know what in the world you're trying to say. It's the truth in love because growth, maturity, discipleship, that's what God is after. God wants to grow us up, and it's his plan to do that in a family. trying to decide if I'm going to skip. I'm going to skip that. <clears throat> All right. We're going to skip ahead slide, guys. Is that Shane back there? One of the sons of thunder. We're going to move ahead, brother. Um, all right. If we lose the point of why we gather together and we forget that we are here as a family on a mission that God has put us on to love and serve the world around us, then really we're missing on what he's calling us to do. Like, we're going to miss out on his purpose for us as individuals and a church. And so if we fall into this trap of thinking that the church is here just to meet my needs, um, then we miss out on what God intended his church to be. We're supposed to be the partners with God, the allies of God, the family of God, reaching a lost and dying world. But, but if church is just about me, or if I avoid commitment, or I sit on the sideline and criticize and complain, then I miss the mark badly. Like, if I treat the church like a consumer, and honestly, almost all of us do this one time or another, 
But if I see the church as somewhere I'm just going to be a customer, then I'll treat the church that way. But you can't be a consumer and a disciple at the same time. Uh, We can't be a healthy family here if we treat Pope Covenant like a business concerned with satisfying customers. And as customers, we demand that we are then catered to. But here's the beauty in all this family talk this morning. Hope Covenant, um, part of why I even wanted to talk about this and have been thinking about it for a couple of months, is that this place is already such a beautiful family. Like you guys do this so well. It's amazing. It's one of the things I was like, wow, there's some huge differences here between some of the places that we've been or been a part of or even been on staff at. Like if I did this same talk and said, hey, let's make sure we're not doing the consumer thing, but we're doing the family thing and, and discipleship and consumerism are opposed to each other, it would probably feel really heavy and probably get really quiet and they might have escorted me off the stage already. But... That's not the case here because we, here at Hope, this is such a beautiful family. I mean, and I've seen it. I could go on, but time is getting <clears throat> short here. Um, I've seen it in so many ways, right? When, when Paul got sick um, or, or when we had some staff changes, like a bunch of people stepped in to fill the gaps and help out. I've seen the family of Hope rise up to take care of the church, especially as we've gone through the loss of Pastor Paul. And you guys are all so amazing. Uh, and this family here is so friendly, <laughs> and it's real, right? So kind, so encouraging. Like, you guys have surprised Heidi and I with this beautiful acceptance, this inspiration and support. And honestly, I've never seen such a dedicated group of people who serve like the people I see who are involved serving here at Hope. And it's really impressive. Like, did you guys know that we have two landscape teams? Like, the outside here, it's saving us like 20 grand because two teams, every other week there's a team here. Um, so once a month per team, right? But, but um, um, they take care of the stuff on the exterior. And, and probably because I haven't mentioned it, maybe some of us don't know that Ron and Jill Nordstrom uh, are having to take a break from leading one of those two teams. And so there is a monthly spot that's opened up for somebody to step in or even just join one of those teams and help take care of this place, the family property. Um, So there's just beautiful places to serve, but there's so many people that are doing it so well already. And again, let me wrap up with this. Hope Covenant, this church is a beautiful family. It's such a beautiful family. And and this morning, really what I'm doing is I'm pointing out what we already do so well. Like it's already wired into us. I just wanted to give language to what is, is already happening so well. Especially those of you who have been here a long time and you have stayed through all the transition that's happened over the last few years. Like, you are not consumers. <laughs> you are showing that you are disciples. You're not customers. You're showing that you are family. And that is one of the biggest things I love about this place. So hopefully this talk, is this kind of family talk, has clarified some of our own culture here at Hope. And so what I want to do just to wrap up here um, is to invite us to pause and just ask this question of God. Um, Father, is there some adjustment that you want me to make? And so we're just going to do that right here. Um, And so a worship team, as you come, and we prepare to go to communion, just sit with that question in silence for about a minute here. Just ask God, is there some adjustment that he's inviting you to make? Father, thank you for this family. And as we hear you and listen for you and, and, and even just pay attention for ways that we could see 
this church and, and any church more as family. Um, will, you, will you guide our hearts into what that looks like for us to make that a really active thing? Because the family of God is a beautiful thing, and this church as a family is a beautiful thing. We're so grateful in Jesus' name. Amen.